Hey guys, welcome to the One and Done podcast, where it's all about young people being successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas, and we're excited to have y'all with us today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the One and Done podcast, uh, episode number 15, and today we have Everett Ray, who's an investment banking analyst with Goldman Sachs. Everett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jackson. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, it's good to see you again outside of the court um, and looking forward to speaking yeah man so we go we go way back we played our my senior year his junior year of high school in basketball and uh got to know each other a little bit there and then uh looking forward to you know obviously building a good relationship professionally and uh, going from there but i had to get you on the show because i've been trying to get somebody from the financial industry for probably the last couple months now and uh just had a couple people who were working on some stuff that didn't have a lot of time, but I reached out to Everett and uh, I was like, this, this guy's going to be perfect for this. And so um, we're glad to have you on today. So to get us kicked off, tell me a little bit about you, kind of give me your background, uh, you know, from growing up all the way until your, your current job as of right now. And then uh, we'll start diving into what a, what an investment banking analyst does. Yeah, for sure. So I'm actually from the DFW area. Um, specifically in Irving, Texas, um, you know, kind of as we we talked about before, I grew up playing basketball. Always loved it. It's been a big part of my life. I've had family members that played in college and, and at the professional level, so it's definitely been a part of my identity. But you know, at the same time, um, you know, I was really thankful to have great parents around me to to really instill values of the importance of education. Um, so that played a really big part um, when it came down to deciding which university I wanted to choose. Um, ultimately, I, I landed you know, at SMU. I knew that they had an amazing business program, uh, and I also knew that you know their basketball team was top tier. They, you know, in the past had been top twenty-five team. Uh, you know, thought you know knew we were going to be a really great team, and was really looking forward to it. And you know, got there, and it was a really great experience. You know, being a college athlete is something that you think you're prepared for, but when you get there, you're really not. You know, it's it's a juggling match. Uh, it's it's going to class. You know, going to practice, going to tutoring, uh, it's just, it's nonstop. So uh, I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, at my time there, you know, as a freshman, you know, I, I unfortunately had a major foot injury that set me back for the rest of the year. Um, and I always really thought about school and I always thought about what I wanted to do with, with my degree. Um, but it really put it in perspective for me because uh, I was definitely one of those guys that thought I was going to be there for two, three years and go play professional basketball. Um, and so I really started to think, what was I going to do with my degree in finance? Um, and so I started to kind of reach out to alumni. I started to, you know, open my eyes a little bit more to clubs around SMU to kind of expose me to what the financial industry jobs look like. And there was a big buzzword that was going around SMU a ton. Um, and it was called the alternative assets program. Um, and basically what I originally heard was this, this program will get you any job that you want in the financial industry, and it'll get you one of the hardest jobs, if not the hardest job in the financial industry out of college, and that's investment banking. Um, and so me being a competitive guy and, you know, kind of knowing that I felt that I, I could get into the program and be one of the first full-time scholarship student athletes in basketball to get into the program, uh, it, it was really something I wanted to do. Um, and I kind of set my, my sights to it. And so what that process looked like was for an entire semester, you basically prepped all of these technical and behavioral questions that investment bankers 
will ask people applying for analyst position. Um, and that will start your sophomore year. So the first semester of my sophomore year, you, you kind of get introduced to the program is they give you back it, they give you information and they say, all right, study this. Um, and then going forward through the rest of the semester, you'll go through mock interviews with current students and they will basically run 20 to 25 minute mocks, which is gonna ask you a range of questions from technical analysis, behavioral questions, walk me through your resume. Uh, and it's, it's pretty extensive. You know, there's, there's people that are doing four or five of those interviews a week. Um, they advise you that you get about, you know, 30 to 40 interviews for the semester. Um, and there's a two round process, which basically starts to take people out of, out of the application, uh, pretty much. And so, you know, it, it was, it was long. It was a lot. Um, you know, the, the GPA was like, I think the median was like a three, nine. Um, but you know, if you had extracurricular activities or you showed that you were a well-rounded person, you know, you could get away with a three, seven, which was a guy like me, right? Like, I, like I had basketball and school at the same time. So right. it was, it was tough. Like I wasn't going to be a 4.0 person, but, um, they took that into account and you know, it was an amazing thing. You know, it was definitely one of the proudest things I've done. Um, and I, I went into it with the same mindset that I did with basketball, which was prep, right? Like the best way for me to eliminate fear would to be prepared for things, right? The best way to eliminate risk would be to prepare. So that's how I approached it. And it, it worked, right? Like it was almost like a universal formula. And that really opened my eyes that I honestly could do whatever I wanted if I applied these, these morals that I learned in basketball, you know, which is, buckle down, you know, reps, sometimes you have to make some sacrifice. Um, and you know, it, it was great. And so I went through that class, which took place the following year, your second semester of your junior year. And what the class entailed was case studies on a weekly basis. And you have a group of three members and that changes every three to four weeks. And you can't be with anybody on your own team. If you're you know, an athlete, you can't be with anybody within the same fraternity or sorority. So it really forces you to integrate with everybody in your class. Um, and what you, you figure out really quickly is that you want to surround yourself around the best individuals in class, because that's who you're going to learn from. Right. And that's so applicable to sports. It's so applicable to the you know corporate world. So what it really, whatever you're doing in life, because you always can learn something right from somebody else. Like you don't, you don't have all of the answers. Um, and so I, I really loved it, but you know, the, the case studies revolved around, you know, the investment banking duties of a first and second year analyst. Um, and, you know, it's it's creating pitch books, it's creating, you know, the technical models, um, you know, and then it's actually going up and defending your numbers and why you believe what you believe. And, it, you know, it's, it's great. You know, it was an amazing, amazing process. And then once you're done with class, I was in a different situation than a lot of the kids in my grade, because at that point, we were all juniors going into our senior year. So everybody that was in this program had some kind of internship prior to their junior year. So their sophomore year, they had already done something. And some of them had even interviewed with these investment banks to begin their junior year internship. So the way that the time schedule goes for the investment banks is they will come in to the schools and 
give information sessions, basically pitching why they're the best bank. Um, and you go to these information sessions, there's, I don't know, 20, 25 of them all throughout the year. You, you network, you establish a relationship, you show a face, you show an interest in the bank. Um, and then when your sophomore summer rolls around, you can start interviewing for a internship position your junior year. Um, so I was actually behind because I didn't have the opportunity to spend my summers doing an internship because we train all year round. We only have almost a month total off, yeah. you know, as, as a college basketball player and playing D1. Uh, so it, it, it was really tough, but because I got injured, I had an extra year. So my plan was to use that junior summer to actually interview and grab an internship because I was going to have an extra year. Right. Um, and so that's what I did. I was fortunate enough to reach out to some alumni and I went through an interview process and land an internship with a, a private equity firm for that end of junior summer. So I actually had done that earlier on in my junior year because I knew it would, it would work with my schedule. So I still would be able to train my junior summer. The following my senior year, I would then do my investment banking internship. And normally when you do your internship as an investment banker, you know, once you're done with your 10 weeks, they'll extend you a full-time offer if you do well. Right. So when I graduate with my master's, I would have then gone to work in an investment bank if I didn't play professional basketball. Well, all of that just got absolutely derailed because one, we had COVID and that just, <laughs> right. that, 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 you know, I didn't even get to finish the year. Right. It was like, you know, we like, what was it March? Uh, no, February. Yeah. It should have been um, right at the end of the year. Right. Shut you guys down. Yeah. Yeah. It was junior year, February and everything got shut down. And so I didn't even know if I was going to have my first internship because my first internship was in the oil and gas industry. And oil and gas oh, man. went negative. Yeah. <laughs> went negative for a little bit. But luckily, I was working for a really, really amazing private equity firm. They were well equipped for what was going to happen. They mitigated risk really well and they actually stayed afloat. Um, so it was really cool to see, you know, from that perspective, how they did that. Yeah, that's a good learning a, experience. A, yeah, it was a historical thing that happened. But it also kind of told me, you know, when, when COVID happened, I was like, all right, well, do I want to be in such a cyclical industry? I think the majority of people that are watching this know that, you know, cyclical industries, they move with, you know, what's going on in the world, right? right. Like if things are not going well, you know, oil and gas does not do well and, and vice versa. So, you know, I kind of decided, you know, I think I'm going to pivot out of the energy industry and maybe interview for, you know, an investment bank that is a little bit more broad based. And so I did that summer during COVID. And I landed um, a, a wide amount of, of banks and bullish bracket banks, which means these are like really large banks. So like your City, your Wells Fargo, your Goldman Sachs, your JPM. Uh, and ultimately, I decided to go with Goldman Sachs. Um, and their group was most interesting to me because they're what is called a regional coverage group. So in investment banking, you don't have... In investment banking, you have industry groups that are focused on transactions in the consumer retail space and the healthcare space and the technology, media, and telecom space. And my group covers multiple industries. So it's it's a generalist group. So I got it, I will get exposure and I am getting exposure to all the different industries. And you know, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And you know, 
uh, I've been doing it now and I, you know, it's, it's been an awesome experience and I've, I've really enjoyed it and, you know, kind of just looking forward to what's coming in the future. Absolutely. Well, man, that was awesome. I'll tell you that right now, the, the, just explaining the whole situation where you're at now, I think everybody has a good feel for your, uh, you know, last, I guess what would be your last four to five years of kind of Mm -hmm. finding your way, uh, now Goldman Sachs. One question I had for you, something that you were talking about earlier was, you know, that you, your whole plan was go professional and be a professional basketball player. And that's kind of the basis for this podcast. Um, you know, back when, back when we played back in high school, I think that was, every, that's, that's most, you know, college or high school sports players dreams is to go pro in something they're doing. And that was kind of the right. basis for this podcast, the one and done specifically right in our, in our sport, which was basketball. That's what people want to do one year, one year of college and let's go pro. But you know, not very often does that happen. Injuries happen, you know, just, politics happen there's a lot of things that can happen that can derail your sports career but thankfully in the you know white collar businesses we're in it's 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 a lot easier to get an opportunity and then at that point it's you you make of it you know with with how hard you work and the the things you and how well you perform um talk about that just for a minute about that mindset because i think that's that's talking to the the listener of this show is the mindset of instead of focusing all my energy on something that I might have a shot with, let's focus all my energy on something that is going to give me a shot. And then how do you, how do you take that and run with it? Cause you know, you obviously went through the, you know, the psychological mess, which is, do I want to continue playing basketball? Or do I want to actually go after yeah. a career I get an opportunity with talk about that for a minute. I think that'd be a, a great thing to talk about on the show. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really hard decision to make and, and to clarify too, you know, this was a, a decision that, I, I really was having a tough time making and that I had to make because I actually had two more years to play basketball. Like I, I spoke about, you know, I would do that internship end of my senior year with the investment bank and then do another year of my master's. Well, I actually never did that. You know, I was fortunate enough to have gone through, you know, an, an expedited internship process for uh you know five weeks five six weeks and then i got hired full-time right out of college so i made the decision to walk away from basketball that's awesome just to start the career and and you know it definitely was in my the back of my mind a little bit earlier on you know as a sophomore um when my second injury happened it really made me think like okay it's possible i think it's still doable but i'm finding another passion for something and i'm 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 decent at it and I'm at the infant stages of it and I'm using the years of experience of being a basketball player and training and practicing and sacrificing and applying it to these, you know, newly found interests in business. And it's just pushing me at an exponential pace past people. Like it's, it's not even like people that sit and, you know, have grinded for, I don't know, four or five years, you know, just focusing on school. Like it's, I'm, I'm finding ways to push through things that some people have issues with. And, and that mindset's such a big thing. Like, you know, as a basketball player, you know, this, like, if you want to be great, you have to spend countless hours on something and you have to spend countless times failing at something. That is something that I was never afraid of. And when I got to college, it was intensified with injuries and, and, and getting through the, the mental blocks and, and the physical pain of, you know, someone putting a screw in your foot and having to rehab for, you know, eight months and not being able to walk for eight. It, it is something that I felt has propelled me so much, but, you know, shifting your focus and leaving kind of 
that love to, to do what maybe your purpose is, is just a decision that is going to come at your pace, I think, but you have to be realistic with yourself. And, and that's what I wanted to do. I was just realistic with myself. I was like, Hey, like I'm at a really great school. You know, I might not be, you know, getting the time I want. It's, might not be because I'm not good. It could be because I've been hurt X amount of times, or it could be because I'm not good, or it could be because of political reasons. Like, I don't know. But all I know right now, what's right in front of me is I have a great opportunity to get a great education and I can take advantage of it. And I have people that are helping me, that are propelling me to, to do well in it. I'm not necessarily finding that in basketball right now. And it's not like you give up on it if, if that's the case for a month. No, I've been doing it for, you know, two, three years at this point. And so oh, now I'm in my senior year, like, what do I really want from it? Like what's shown me, I'm looking for, I'm looking for evidence that like, this is going to pay off one day, right? This is going to make me a living. And just basketball wasn't, wasn't going to do that. And I didn't want to take the risk of leaving a school uh, and going somewhere else in the grass, not being green yep. there either. Man, see, and, and, and that's, that's awesome because that's something that I, I'm very, very passionate about because I think in a, in a world where everything is so instant, right? Like, you know, yeah. what are you, 20, 22, right? Something like that. 23. 23? 23 okay. Yeah. So it, we've grown up with basically everything being at our fingertips, right? We have every, all the right. technology we want. Instant gratification is huge. And I think it's very hard for young people sometimes to realize like, hey, there's a difference in what you love and what you're good at. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think both of you, you know, both you and I would probably agree. We love what we do. And we're also probably right. pretty good at what we do. Right. You know, we get basically the feedback that tells us we're pretty good at what we do and we continue to work hard from it. Whereas, you know, at some point basketball, we loved it, but at some point it basically said, you know, maybe you should go that white collar out and do that because long-term that's yeah. going to be the better career for you. And I think when you start thinking that way, basketball is great. I, I mean, we grew up playing, that's all we did, right? But at some yeah. point that doesn't pay the bills at some point that doesn't give you the same satisfaction that doing this job that you can do until you're 70 or 80, if you wanted to will right. allow you to do. And so I think that's something that people, sometimes that, that emotional aspect, you have to kind of put that to the side a little bit and say, okay, let's, let's look at some of the facts here and let's make a really good decision for the long term. Uh, Cause in right. the short term, yeah, maybe it makes sense to, you know, keep playing basketball or to, to do whatever else that somebody else who might be listening to this enjoys not that you can't do those things, right? You mentioned earlier when we were just talking that you play in some city leagues, some stuff like that. You can keep you can keep doing those things, but exactly. your career exactly. is ultimately what you're growing towards in college, right? And it, and it is really that you don't have to. It's not giving it up. Like I still love to play basketball. The moment I I graduated and you know I started work, I like you said I joined a church league. You know I still play on Saturdays. Some some days if I'm really itching to play basketball. I wake up and go play at like 530 with a group of just people that love to play basketball. Like, you know, it that love doesn't go away, but your your passion isn't always your purpose. Right. It's just I like that. It, it Sometimes it's just the case. Like that's that's just how life goes. And you can you can have a growth mindset with it and you can grow with it and you can apply the, the things that you've learned with the, the original love that you have. And then, you know, you never know what, what God has for you playing down the line. I mean, it could be something to me. I, I know it is something that's 10 times greater that, you know, pursuing basketball for my entire life would have been, and you, you know, you know that you, you get to that point. And I think once you're there, that's when you're like, all right, I need to switch. I think that's a really good, you know, kind of turning factor. If you need to, you need to walk away from something and, and put your efforts to something that you're better at. 
So kind of getting back to, to just what you do, right? Uh, that's, that's, that's what I want to talk about just for a minute is explain to somebody here. You can explain it to me because I don't know exactly what you do. I have, I have a good feel for it. Yeah. Like I told you, you know, I do a little bit in the wealth management industry, so I know kind of what you do. Break down yeah. for me what a day in your shoes is going to look like. What are some of the, yeah. what are some of the pros and what are some of the cons though? Uh, tell, tell someone that. Cause you know, you might, you might want to start with the negative ones that might turn the listeners off who, if they're like, Hey, I never want to be an investment banker based on what he said, yeah. the, the negatives yeah. are, but if somebody can get past that, I think there's a lot of positives and then we can talk about what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, for sure. And I think what would also help is like to just speak on what an investment bank in itself does. Um, and then that will kind of like shed light on what the analyst role is. We think about banks a lot of times from a commercial standpoint. Um, so we have like Chase, you know, you have Wells Fargo, you're commercially transacting with that bank. Like they hold your checkings, your savings, et cetera. Um, an investment bank is essentially an advisor, right? To corporations, financial institutions, financial sponsors, um, special committees, board of directors, you know, you can go on and they advise on mergers and acquisitions. Um, they, they help these institutions and corporations, you know, get access to debt, get access to capital essentially. Um, and so, you know, now knowing, you know, what an investment bank is as an analyst, you know, my role is to help on the culmination of all that information, right? So like a, a day, let's say like, you know, I'm on, you know, a sell side deal, right? Which is, you know, a company is trying to sell, right? There, we, we are advising another company to sell itself to somebody else. The, the day in the life really ranges from where I am in that or where we, where the team is at in that project, right? So I wake up, you know, let's say 8.30, 8.45, and I got to get to the office, you know, around nine o'clock, you know, a little bit earlier. But for me, the basketball itch. So I'm always up. I got to get a workout in before, you know, I get there at about 8.45, 9 and log in. You know, I might have some emails. I might have some work that I previously didn't finish the other night that needs to get sent out first thing in the morning. So that gets done. You send that out and then you wait for comments right from your associate and VP, which are basically two levels above you. And a lot of the work will entail gathering data together, processing it in a manner that is readable to somebody that is not an expert in the financial industries, right? Because right. if I'm trying to sell a business, you know, I'm not going to just splat, like put a bunch of information on it, like data on a page. That's not understandable, right? I'm going to say, this is a healthy company. Right. This company produces X amount of cash flows a year guaranteed. We have this amount of debt, which makes it a you know risk adverse company, which means you could lever on some more and you know possibly expand, et cetera. Right. We make it understandable and you know create what what is called these pitch books, which is just one aspect of it. And then let's say I send this pitch book out, and then you know, a couple of hours later, maybe an hour or two, depending on how fast you know the VP is going through things. And I would have to go back and fix things. And so it's really a constant communication between all of the levels of seniority within your team. Um, but at the analyst position, you're really compiling data, right? Like you're doing all of like, quote unquote, like the grunt work so that the VPs and the managing directors can go and actually sit down with these clients and explain this information to them, right? And from all the levels above you, they are overseeing what you're sending, right? So it's just like, 
a chain reaction. It's 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 constantly getting pushed up the chain or pushed back for you to change. Right. Um, it really does depends on the day, right? Like most of the time it, it's pretty busy. Like you hear kind of horror stories about investment banking hours because I explain one transaction or like one deal. Analysts are on multiple deals. Yeah. <laughs> so I might be getting multiple comments back from a bunch of different deal teams. And they might in with within the group that I am, they might not all be in the same industry. It might be from a tech company. It might be from a healthcare company. It might be from a, a consumer company. Like it all depends. So then you have to constantly switch your thought process and your mindset on the basis of what project you're working on, which is which can be difficult. But for me, I found you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it was something I was used to switching on and off basketball in school. Like it's it's a constant change, like in prioritizing. So I found that to be, you know, something that was easy for me to handle within, you know, the analyst duties and, you know, the hour commitments are, are tough. So this is going to get, you know, going to get into like the the stuff that's like not great about it. Right. It's like, you, you know, you're going to work from from nine to 10, 30, 11 on a good day, maybe. Um, and that's Monday through Friday and Saturday or Saturdays are protected and Sundays you're working. So it's, it's like, it's, it's very, very demanding. And there's a level of detail that I, I have never experienced in school, but have experienced yep. in basketball right. that is just unmatched. I mean, it's, it's unmatched. And, you know, there, there are things that I found that, you know, I can hand, like handle well, like I, I am good at changing my mindset and, and adjusting and being positive and pushing through things. But I do have to get better at certain technical skills. I do have to get better at certain modeling or, or editing pitch books um, that didn't come natural to me because uh, being six, seven is, it doesn't help you in any way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got to work on those things, but that all just goes back to just working on things that didn't come easy to me in basketball. Um, so I hope that was a, a kind of a good, explanation of what a, a day in the life is but it, it really Absolutely. is very but it yeah it's it's very demanding and those you know it, it goes later like you know some days you get home at 1 30 you got to get up at nine um so it's just it, it's a it's a grind but the perks are unmatched because yeah. you think you're working you know it takes ten thousand hours to master or to become a master at some kind of sub subject at like the foundational level well and somebody that is working in the financial industries for five years, that's working, you know, 40 hours a week, as opposed to someone that's working in an investment bank for two years, that's working 80 plus hours a week is going to come to that knowledge and to that mastery quicker. Right. So I'm learning more information at a, at a faster pace and at a, in a shorter amount of time, which is efficient, which is also, again, applicable to basketball is like, how much time are you spending in the gym? What are you going to, give up to become a master at your craft. Um, and so that's what drew, that's really what drew me to all of it and, and why I, I do love it so much. That's awesome. You know, and I, I, it's, it's definitely high demand, um, but also it's high reward. And I think that's a lot of things in life, not yeah. really something we're taught in sports. We are right in sports. We are, right. but not necessarily something we're taught in life outside of sports. School does not teach you that school, you know, I mean, to some people, uh, school comes super easy to some people come super hard. So those people who come super hard. They have to, you have to study a lot 
to be as successful as the person who maybe just shows up to class and passes the test because they have a lot of knowledge already, right? And right. so there's none of that though in the careers we're in. It's you get what you get in or you get out what you put in. And so uh, I think that is why I love the uh, sports theme to this show. And I also love the athletes we get to bring on because we get to hear about, you know, you're like, hey, I've never, I've never dealt with this before. Oh, wait, yes, I have because basketball taught me all those things. And I think exactly. that's, that is something that people can then translate. And unfortunately, in, in a lot of people's sports careers, they aren't going to have those same opportunities. But in a business career, we are going to have those opportunities. And that's what I love about the white collar businesses. It's, a, it's an even playing field. And then it, yeah. it's, it's for those people who do think maybe a little different than the rest of the world who can say, hmm, I'm willing to work 80 hours a week because, like you said, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be smarter two times faster or a little over two right. times faster than everybody else. But I'm willing to put that right. in. And so it's it's the sacrifice you were talking about earlier. I, I love all that. I think I think those those were awesome points. So here as we kind of start wrapping everything down, tell a little bit about you and how you, your mindset and how you became so successful so quick, right? You're 23 years old. Already, a, already a analyst there at Goldman Sachs. I'm sure you have a a, a tremendous future in you know in whatever you're going to do, and it's probably going to be this. It's your career now. I'm looking forward to getting you back on the show in a couple of years just to see the progress. But as of right now, <laughs> tell everybody what you've done to put yourself where you are right now. I think that I was very blessed to have had people around me that knew how to work hard, and I saw it firsthand. You know, I I saw it firsthand with my mom. You know, my, my parents were both very involved in my life, but my mom was with me the majority of the time. She worked three jobs, like, since I can remember. To see someone who worked three jobs, but to also see, you know, a mother work that hard, it, it puts a lot of perspective, you know, into you at a young age. And so I wanted to work hard and I wanted to get to where I was at so she could do less, right? So that gave me a lot of motivation to do well and then on the other side of things you know when i was with my dad you know i had the fortune of being around a lot of nba players and a lot of professional basketball players because he came from professional basketball player background i saw the work that they put in constant hours you know it's like waking up before everyone was at practice you know there was you know ray allen kobe you know paul pierce those guys were were in the gym two and a half three hours before practice started they were in the gym an hour and a half after practice ended and they went back at night. Like it, 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 it was an obsession. And so I think at a young age, I saw that and became susceptible to it. And then when I got older and started realizing that, you know, I, I loved basketball and I, I, you know, I enjoyed school, but being competitive, like wanting to, to do well. And it really just pushed me. I don't think that I wanted to always beat everybody, but I wanted to be like the best version that I could have been or I could be, you know, for my mom, you know, to do well for myself, to set up things for like the generations after me, um, for my family to come after me. Um, you know, it, I think that all is really what instilled, you know, my hunger for things. Um, and then, you know, I, but I think an, a big reason to, or a big reason why people see success is also you have to know how to train um like you know it's good to be obsessed it's good to work hard and this is what i had to learn through that like this is what i learned from basketball is if you become too obsessive and you work too hard you can break yourself down so it's a balance 
And that's like going into investment banking. That's now something that I, I can handle that I don't think I was great at at basketball. So I would work, work, work physically. And I broke my body down. I got, a, I got hurt every year, right? And so now that I'm going into to banking, I know it's the same demand, but I'm going to have to find ways to unplug. Um, so, you know, those are some things that I think that, that have definitely helped me get here. But, you know, it's it's trial and error. And it, I think it, you just have to learn from from the things that you're doing and what works for you and what what doesn't. So so one thing you referenced and you referred to just a little bit, you know, with your dad and the NBA players seeing them is is a little bit of mentorship. You know, that was just through watching them and learning. But how important is mentorship in your business and, and just things we do on a day to day life to find people around you who have those same goals, who can teach you things, who've been places that you want to be? Uh, how important is that for you? And, and, and talk about that for just a second. Yeah, I mean, mentorship is is huge. And a lot of the reason why I'm at in, you know, investment banking is because of mentors that I've had. Uh, and, you know, I think that exactly what you said, you, you can't do it on your own. Um, and you don't know everything you know, from the get go. You have to surround yourself around people and around, you know, I like to say elders that have been in the same position you were in. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my job, I mean, with my you know degree out of college before I was graduating, I thought about, okay, well, who are people that were in the same position I was? And it's hard, right? Because I didn't know that I, I knew from, from the get go, there was not that many people that wanted, you know, that were in college sports and had the ability to go join a white car industry. And so it, it made, you know, my outreach pretty narrow, but it also helped me out because they don't come across people that often yeah. as well. Right. So, They're not getting a lot of people it, asking them. Right. Exactly. And so, and you find out that people that were in your similar position want to help you. Yeah. They, they want to see you do well, especially if you go through an alumni network, like they want to see you do well and they're willing to teach you. You have to be susceptible to, to learning from them. Um, and I think sometimes people have like issues with that because they don't, you know, they don't want to ask for help or they feel it's like, you know, it's an ego thing. Um, but no, it's like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I just know I have these qualities and they're similar to you and I see how successful you are and I want to be there and I'm willing to put in the work and people, people will help you. And so I definitely encourage to find a mentor in whatever you do. And, and to think about it from a standpoint of like, okay, who's similar to me? Who's in a similar position? Um, and I, I think that will help, you know, help individuals narrow down um, finding a, a mentor. Well, man, hey, I really appreciated having you on the show today. It was great catching up again. And uh, we're definitely going to have to have you back on at some point. So I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, man, I really enjoyed it and looking forward to talking again.